Del Potro reaches up and serves, and Federer slices the back end down the line. It's floated cross court from Del Potro. Del Potro double handed this time, cross court and middle of the court. Now the double handed from Del Potro, and Federer now opens up the forehand, but he drifts it long, and there is the roar for Juan Martin Del Potro. The smile on the face of the Argentine. He has won his first ever Masters 1000 title. Second title of 2018, his 22nd of his career, and he is the new world number six. A nice embrace from the players at the net, but here is the applause from the crowd. He raises his arms aloft after two hours and 40 minutes. Juan Martin Del Potro comes through to take the Indian Wells title against Roger Federer. 6 4, 6 7, 7 6. John Isner, 40 love, 5 4. Championship point number one. Can he finish it off in style? Reaches, serves, slams. There it is! It's an ace from John Isner to win the biggest title of his career. John Isner is a Masters 1000 winner and he goes back to world number nine. John Isner in two and a half hours defeats Sasha Zverev. 6 7, 6 4, 6 4. Point for the title as Nadal serves down the centre. The backhand to the beat of Nadal who scoops at the backhand. Arms aloft for Rafa Nadal, who will still be the world number one on Monday with his 11th Rolex Monte Carlo Masters title. He's 31 at this level, his 54th on the clay, and now 36 straight sets won on this surface. One hour and 33. Nadal is your champion in Monte Carlo. 6-3-6-2 against Kei Nishikuri. Three ATP Masters 1000 tournaments down and three different winners. Welcome to the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast coming to you on the eve of the Mutua Madrid Masters, the magic box as it's known, La Caja Magica. It takes center stage this week as the center stage here in Madrid as we firmly find our footing in the clay season, known recently, about the last decade or so, as Rafael Nadal season. It's a special week here as well, as the 10th year this venue is hosting the Mutua Madrid Masters. Nick McCarville here for ATP Tennis Radio this week, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Reem Abulail of Dubai's Sport360, among many other tennis duties, and Eduardo Salon of Setball Radio, the official tournament radio here in Madrid. We are going to settle in here for what's going to be a sublime week of world-class tennis. Eduardo, let me start with you, and we have to start, we must start with Rafael Nadal. He's really the king of clay and a national hero here in Spain. He's a five-time champion, including a victory at this event here. Last year, he's coming off mind-boggling 11th wins at both Monte Carlo and Barcelona. It really feels like him against the field this week in Madrid. First of all, welcome to Spain. Welcome to the uh, beautiful Madrid city. Muchas gracias. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, Rafa, I can say he's the top one to, to win this title again. Uh, I see him in the best moment of the season, like he was last year at this point. He's so focused on, on the clay right now that uh, despite those injuries or the, uh, at the beginning of the year, I see him playing the best tennis of his career again. It's impressive. It's it's totally impressive how he's developing his tennis skill every year, every year, and even on the clay, where he has nothing to prove, but he's still improving. Yeah, it's crazy we saw Rafa having to take that injury break after the Australian Open. Did you feel or did you expect like he was going to come back as strong as he has? Nobody expected. Even when, I mean, a couple of years ago when he uh, gave up those uh, the, the number one spot on the ranking, 
nobody thought that he was going to make it again. But here it is, and it's Rafa Nadal. He's the king of the clay, and he has nothing to prove, but he wants himself to prove. You mentioned he's number one. He'll only keep that number one ranking, Reem, if he wins this title here this week. But... Gosh, you really would be hard-pressed to pick against him. He's won 19 matches in a row on clay. That dates back to Roland Garros last year, 46 sets in a row. I think he's nearing some sort of record there on the 46 sets in a row. But what's impressed you most? Eduardo's talking about, you know, no one really thought that we'd see this again from Rafa. But what have you been most impressed with him by? First of all, I'm definitely impressed that uh, coming back from injury, he managed to do that, especially that he is under pressure every week to defend a lot of points, and he knows that he could lose the number one ranking basically at any tournament. He has to win because that's what he did last year. So uh, I'm just impressed that he's not feeling pressure at all. He's playing quite freely. And actually, I'm impressed because the players that he has been beating this season. We've seen players like Dominic Thiem and David Goffin, who you'd think would really push him on clay. And he actually bageled each one of them, one in Monte Carlo and one in Barcelona. So he's actually like his tough, toughest opposition. He's he's easing past them. So that's been really impressive to me. It's crazy when you look at even the sets. I mean, we mentioned the 46 sets in a row, but just only a few sets he's really been pushed to a 6-4 or a 7-5. What to you is the specific thing in his game that he's really come back and been so relentless with? I think that with Rafa, when the forehand is working, then everything else works. And that's what he says. And he says when he knows he's hitting the forehand, he knows he can set up the point the way he wants. He can approach the net if he wants. So he can do whatever he wants. And I think that's always been key for him. Once that is working, then you can see the other things that he's improved. I know that Tony Nadal, when we spoke to him the last time after, before he stopped traveling with Rafa, he said that the backhand was one of the things he improved the most, and 100%, I see that. But again, it starts with the forehand. When that's working, then you can see everything else. <laughs> yeah, the fear hand. And we also, call it. <laughs> just the relentlessness and, and not wanting to give a point away. There's only one person who has taken him to, uh, who has uh, taken more than four games in a set against Rafa, and that's Martin Clazan in Barcelona. So in these 46 sets in a row, only one person has won more than four The rest games. of the guys need to find Martin Clazan, chase him down. What did you do in that set, right, here in Madrid? I should also mention Rafa is hungry for another title. We're getting hungry for lunch. We're actually in the magic box in the cafeteria. So if you hear some lunchtime things happening around us. That's where we are. Um, Eduardo, let me go back to you because we saw what Rafa did in Monte Carlo as well as in Barcelona. Barcelona has been like his home away from home. What's the pressure like for him here in Madrid? He's won it five times, of course. He's defending champion, but um, it it hasn't necessarily been a place that he enters the tournament and he's going to walk away the winner. Yeah, it was tough for him at the beginning when Madrid was played in in a hard court. I remember one game against Ivan Lubisic that uh, he, like, come back from uh, two holes in sets. It was, like, the very beginning, but in the last year, he's feeling more comfortable every year here in Madrid he's feeling more comfortable Barcelona is like his home he has the the court the main court with his name Rafael Nadal court in, in Barcelona so it's like something special but uh, he feels pretty comfortable here in Madrid he also he's a Real Madrid big fan you know in soccer and he usually goes to Bernabeu to watch the game and it like he says like the crowd here is so uh, hot with him you know it's pushing him to the level, to the maximum level, and he's proving every time he steps on the court, he's proving that, yeah, I'm in Madrid and I want to give back all the 
the love, the yeah, appreciation. Yeah, the love, the yeah. appreciation that the fans gave to me, I want to give him back. Can you detail that for us just a little bit for our global listeners? Because Reem and I cover tennis year-round, but in Spain, Rafael Nadal is what? What does he mean to the people? He's the best sportsman in our history. I could say. Sportsman. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have Pau Gasol there, Fernando Alonso from the Formula One. But Rafa is, is our president. I can say he's our president in the sports area. So everybody loves him. I don't know anyone in Spain who doesn't love Rafa. And that's, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. It's simply impressive. Yeah. Well, his career has been nothing short of impressive, of course. We mentioned Reem. It feels very much like Rafa against the rest of the field. We could see him with an early test, perhaps against Gael Monfils in the second round, should Lamont win his first round match. But we mentioned at the top of the show, this is the fourth Masters 1000 of the season, but we've had seven different winners in the last seven Masters 1000s. You've covered a lot of those Masters tournament. Do, do you think that that at all sort of adds a threat to Rafa's crown? And in that, who are the challengers you think that bubble to the top in trying to win Madrid over Rafa? <laughs> well, a disclaimer, of course, in the beginning, I kind of think Rafa's going to win. Yeah. But I, <laughs> if, if We'll get to that later, too. <laughs> but if Rafa's not going to win, you have to look at Dominic team. He hasn't shown his best yet this clay season so far in, compared to last year. Last year, he played Rafa in four different clay tournaments. It was almost like their own head-to-head battle throughout the entire clay season. And I'm just waiting to see that from team. He uh, he's dr- uh, In the draw, he is seeded to potentially face Rafa in the quarterfinals, right. which would be a rematch of last year's final so I'm I'm tempted to to say team just because I feel that perhaps here with the altitude with his aggressive game style maybe it, he has a better chance than the last couple of tournaments he can do better I, I always pick David Goffin simply because I feel like he really could have had an amazing French Open last year but then was very unlucky and got injured so I feel like he's due a good run on clay, uh, and obviously we've seen him do well before on, on that surface. I'm curious to see how Juan Martín del Potro does. He's been away since Miami. He was on that 50-match uh, winning streak, and then he lost to John Isner in Miami. And uh, I know that we don't necessarily think about clay when we talk about del Potro, but actually when I uh, looked at the percentages, uh, um, the winning percentage on clay of the active players, Juan Martín del Potro is number seven on that list. Really? Yeah. He yeah. has a 71% winning record on clay. So, and here, especially with the altitude and the ball flies, he, he, he has the weapons to be dangerous here. So I'm just curious to see how he does. It's interesting you say that about del Potro because he did so well to win his first Masters 1000 in Indian Wells and then comes through, has a good run in Miami. I think he needed that rest. And now, as you're saying, he does have a pretty good winning percentage on clay. To It's a balance, I think, between trying to get that winning momentum back from the spring but then also find his footing on the clay yeah and usually he gets really tough draws and and I think that he's in the top half which maybe is less loaded than the bottom half so uh, yeah I'm, I'm I'm curious to see how he does I'm actually very happy that he's actually playing on clay because I had a feeling that he mentioned at the end of that uh, North American hardcore swing that he was saying I'm not sure if I'm playing or not so I'm very happy that he showed up so we could have a Rafa Delpo semi and then you also mentioned Goffin we'll get more to some other favorites Sasha Zverev is the number two seed you mentioned Dominic team there. John Isner is a top eight seed. We haven't really talked about Novak Djokovic. 
much in the sense of could he be a threat to go deep. He's got Kaney Shikori in the first round. Let's talk a little bit about the nine Spanish players, at least nine singles players in the main draw, of course, led by Rafa Eduardo. But um, it really showcases the strength of Spanish men's tennis that we've got. And we're, we're without David Ferrer, who just had a little baby boy, I think, yes, Leo. Exactly. So still nine players in the draw for Spain. Yeah, we have, uh, for example, Feliciano Lopez, who is uh, like uh, now the new director, right? He's going to uh, be the next year after Manolo Santana. And I can say that uh, when every Spanish player come here to La Caja Magica, it's like a great environment, a special one, you know? So you cannot uh, really say that how they are going to play because it's not like any other tournament in the, in the ATP world. But uh, here in Madrid, it's so special that every time that Fernando Verdasco, for example, played here, uh, right here some years ago. Feliciano Lopez also as well. Not like, okay, I have nothing to do as well. Like, uh, I'm going to be the director, so I'm going to feel this tournament like my last one. So I want to make it special. And every time that every Spanish player comes to the to court here, feels something great, something special, the love from the crowd that we said about Rafa uh, later on. But I will say that Rafa is going to be in in the final again, but I don't see another Spanish player coming to the semis or to the quarterfinals. Maybe in the first round you have a surprise there, but I don't see uh, any other player besides Rafa making it to the final. Yeah, and you've also got Pablo Carrena Busta, who is in that part of the draw with Rafa. He's the number nine seed. He would have to take out Dominic Team in the third round. You mentioned Feliciano Lopez there. He's 36 years young. He's played all 17 editions of the Mutua Man. Yeah, we call him sometimes yeah. the Iron Man, like the movie, you know? Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, because of playing <laughs> in, in the old editions of the tournament. He's yeah. 36 years young. Yeah. Now uh, we have to call him director, you know? <laughs> yeah. Iron Man, the director. Um, well, actually, let's go ahead and listen to the Iron Man himself. Our very own Seb Lozier got a chance to speak with Iron Man Feliciano Lopez recently about his 20-year career on tour and what's to come with his role here in Madrid. Yeah, I'm very lucky. You know? I, feel, I feel so uh, lucky and grateful you know, to, to still be competitive at this you know, stage of my career and uh, trying to enjoy every moment of, of, of this last uh, period of my career because I didn't expect it to, to, be, to be competing at that level. And if you play Roland Garros, you'll tie Roger Federer for the most consecutive Grand Slams. And if you play Wimbledon, you'll, you'll set a new record. Are you, you aware of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been yeah, already a few years that, you know, since Roger missed the, I think, the French that I was the second on the list, you know, with most uh, Grand Slam played consecutively. And uh, yeah, it is true that it's, it's, it's a nice, nice, you know, number to achieve. And, uh, but still two, two Grand Slams to play, you know, so I don't really want to think a lot about that. But yeah, it's, it's good to, to be able to be better than Roger at something, you know. <laughs> You're still winning so many matches, of course, and you're still... Not long, let's face it, since your last title in Queen's last year. Um, with that in mind, has it been difficult? I don't know, difficult uh, committing to something like being assistant tournament director in Madrid? Or have you been thinking forward for a little bit now? No, 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 no. I've been, I've been told now we've been working on that uh, possibility you know, of you know, being uh, the tournament director in Madrid because Manolo is uh, he's making, I think it's... 
his 80, 80th birthday during the week of, of Madrid. So we've been thinking, you know, about the idea of Manolo, you know, going to be the ambassador of the tournament and, and to have his name forever, no, in the tournament. So we've been thinking about that and also they they just told me why why don't you work with us? I think you are the right person. I live in Madrid. I'm the only one who played every single year since the tournament started in Madrid from 2002. So yeah, and and, and my my relationship with the with the tournament has been great all over the years and. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing for me, no? It's it's a good good thing that I have to, you know. Obviously, it's gonna be tough, you know, because there's many things that I have no idea. And uh, the part, the, the 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 work with the players, it's it should be easier for me because I still play and I know, I know he's, you know, their entourage. I know everyone, but there's so many things, you know, because Madrid is such a big tournament, you know, with the great potential as well, with so many things from the other side that as a player you don't know so for me it's going to be the tough thing you know just to discover new things just to work in some areas that for me uh, are going to be new so yeah it's it's a great challenge um, I think the plan is to then become tournament director obviously for, from next year but even this year has it been difficult given that you're still I know you live in Madrid but in terms of your time and balancing things has it been difficult still being out on tour? No, no, no not really because this year Manolo he's still the official tournament director and he's, he's the one who's going to be you know 100% involved and, and you know so I'm just trying to help in, in, in small things you know and try to be aware of everything you know that happens you know in the tournament but Manol is going to be the the tournament director this year still, and we and from from next year on, I'll, I'll be you know 100% involved in the tournament. And am I allowed to ask about retirement? The R word. Does that mean that you won't be playing anymore, or do you not no, know no, yet? No, 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 not really. No, uh, I I haven't think to be honest about retirement yet. Uh, last year they, they've been great. No, I had I had such a great results, and uh, I've been very very lucky no, to still be you know, able to compete at the highest level so for me it's, it's something that I you know, didn't think about yet and uh, the fact you know, that I'm going to be tournament director next year obviously uh, it's something that changed you know, things a little bit uh, in terms of you know, scheduling because I'm, I'm going to be working uh, for the tournament and there's so many things that I have to do, and uh, but no, I haven't think about retirement. No, I think I'm gonna play 2019. Also, not the week of Madrid because I cannot play that week of Madrid being a tournament director. But uh, I think I'm gonna play one more year for the moment. Still, you know, I take it one year at a time. This year is still uh, five. It's it's not even we're not even by half of the season. So. I still, you know, I want to compete this whole year and then let's see. Feliciano, thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Okay, guys, thank you. Okay, so it's interesting there we hear from Feliciano, but he's not actually ready to say the R word, retire, because he's going to play through the rest of this year, perhaps break an all-time consecutive slam record. And he might play a little bit in 2019. He won't play here. He's going to be tournament director, but the Ironman plays on. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's, uh, how to say, it's a classic one, you know. 
everybody also loves Feliciano, especially in Madrid. It's like his hometown. He, he born like uh, one hour driving from here, from Madrid, in Toledo. So he's a local idol. Uh, even Rafa, okay, he's a national idol. But we can say that Feliciano is a, is a local idol. It's a classic in the circuit. Everybody wants to, to see Feliciano play. Especially, I will say, maybe on the grass that he is kind of better than on the clay court. But uh, yeah, everybody loves him here, here in Madrid and he's our Iron Man. <laughs> he is your Iron Man. You know, a lot of players, this is a recent trend, right? We, saw, we see James Blake in Miami, Tommy Haas in Indian Wells. Richard Krychek has done what he's done in Rotterdam, Guy Forget in France. What do you kind of make of these players transitioning to tournament director roles? I think if you think about it, the, the number of jobs available for people who dedicated their entire lives to tennis is not that, of course, the sky's the limit, they can do whatever they want, but what they know best is the sport. So either they coach or they commentate, and I kind of feel it's cool that some of them now are, are becoming tournament directors because it show, they get to learn the business elements of everything, and, and also they know what the players want the most, so they've got that covered. And um, and it just opens there. Everyone I've spoken to, because I interviewed Tommy Haas in Indian Wells, and I spoke to Feli in Indian Wells as well about him taking up this role. And they both said this, similar things. They're like, we really want to know more about... And already they're like, we've seen so many other details that as players we never knew about. So I think it's it's very cool. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd, I think that as well... Uh, it brings an element of um, experience. It brings an element of even people are curious. Uh, as you said, Feli's an idol here. So the fact that he's still going to be involved in the tournament after Manolo Santana, who's a legend here, I think it's a very cool choice. And I love the piece that Feli wrote on the ATP website about uh, his very first experience at the Madrid uh, Masters playing Andre Agassi when he was very, very young, when it was still held uh, in Casa de Campos. So uh, that was very cool to read. Yeah, well, Manolo Santana turning 80 this week, celebrating. He's going to be an ambassador, still involved in the tournament. But Feliciano Lopez stepping into that role next year. We discussed a few of the favorites, but the young guns, Reem, the next-gen ATP stars who continue to make a push on tour, we're going to have to watch out for a few of them this week. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon. Both Sasha Zvera in Munich and Francis Tiafo and Esra will play finals today. Stefano Sissipas made the final a couple weeks ago in Barcelona. He got a wild card here. Is this, does it really feel like this generation has sort of finally made its stamp on, on the tour as a whole? I think that they've definitely showed up, but I think that still, uh, un until one of them really uh, wins a slam, probably, that's when you'll feel like, wow. We've seen Sasha Zverev win two master titles so far, which I think was huge for him, and making the final as well in Miami. Um, we've seen someone like Chung, for example, who won the next-gen finals uh, last year in Milan. He went on to make the semifinals in Australia. That was big. Uh, but I feel like until they win a slam uh, and until they go and beat like several members of the so-called big four back to back in a slam, I think that's when you'll feel, oh, wow, it's happened. But definitely for me, you mentioned the name Stefano Tsitsipas. For me, he's definitely one to watch. I, what's impressed me the most was not necessarily just his amazing week in Barcelona, is that he backed it up and made semifinals just last week. And I think that that's what's impressed me the most because usually when you have a really big week, you kind of might lose your concentration, you're, you're burnt out or something like that. But he's still going. And I'm very happy that he got a wild card here because I think that he revels in the big stadiums and the big atmospheres and stuff. And we could have, just maybe, we could have a CISA pass, 
Sasha Zverev second round. I think a lot of people excited about that. One other youngster we haven't mentioned is Canadian Denis Shapovalov. I joined the Gathered Media to speak with the Canadian after his first round victory here against Tenna Sangren. Yeah, definitely to get my first first win and uh, I mean beating a top player like this. Tennis has been playing unbelievable. Finals of Houston, you know he's uh, he pushed Francis last week, so he's definitely playing some good tennis. And uh, yeah, it's a huge confidence booster for me. Dennis, you just celebrated a birthday recently. Uh, Nineteen. I can't believe you're still a teenager, but I think a lot of people can't either. Uh, you've you've had a great run here. How do you sort of transition? You're a career high 42 in the world. How do you transition into that next level? And what are you specifically working on to try to get your tennis to that level? Yeah, I'm working on a lot of things. I think still uh, the thing I can improve most is uh, my fighting spirit, my mentally, my mental toughness. I feel like uh, I have some good matches where I'm just out there fighting for every point, and uh, that's usually when I get those tough wins. So uh, it's about doing that every day, and uh, as well on the court, I'm really trying to improve my game. Certain aspects of it, I can still really, really improve. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a long journey. I'm only 19, like you said, and. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just enjoying it. I'm not thinking about my ranking too much. I'm just uh, trying to focus on uh, improving daily. You've got Luca Pui or Benoit Pair next. I think it'd be a first meeting for you against either of those guys. What would a matchup like that against them look like? And and then also, do you look at your draw? Do you look ahead, or are you trying to focus on one thing at a time? Um, normally, I just take it one match at a time. I actually had to look, uh, you know, in between interviews to to see who I was uh, who I was playing next. But uh, yeah, they're both great opponents. So it's definitely going to be a tough match, but another another good match for me for, for the clay court experience. And uh, the tricky part for me on the surface, it's not really the movement or anything. It's just uh, how to implement my game style onto the surface. And uh, today I felt like I kind of figured it out. This whole week I've been playing really well. And, uh, yeah, it just took me a little bit longer than, uh, than usual to, to get adapted to the surface. But uh, I'm really confident. I'm playing really good tennis right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to, to be in Madrid and uh, to be playing been a few comparisons between uh, you and Rafa and you and Roger. Uh, Roger obviously the one-handed backhand, Rafa left-handed. As a lefty on clay and obviously in the Dahls season now, are you watching certain things he does, how he plays matches? What are you learning from him? Definitely. I've been trying to pick up a lot on Rafa. I mean, he's been dominating on the surface for for more than, you know, 10, 12 years. So it's... Uh, it's it's great to see him play. I try to try to pick up on certain lefty things that he does that bothers other guys, and uh, yeah, definitely think that helped me as well. Uh, you know, he he plays so aggressive on it. When he has a chance, he goes for it. So that's what I was trying to do today, and uh, yeah, it worked out well. You've been coming up with this sort of next-gen ATP guys for a while now, but when you look at recent success for Stefano Tsitsipas, mm-hmm. Francis Tiafo, Sasha Zverev, also for Felix Auger, Aliassim, mm-hmm. who's done really well for Canada, does that motivate you seeing those results, or how do you sort of bounce off seeing what they're doing, but also, as you're saying, trying to just focus on getting your game better? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's kind of a motivation booster, you know. Uh, obviously, we wish the West the best for each other. You know, me, Francis, Felix, we're all really close friends. So, uh, you know, obviously I love it when, when they have a good result, but it also motivates me to get back on the work and, uh, you know, try to keep up with, uh, with, his result, with their results and uh, try to challenge them. So it's, uh, it's good, you know, going both ways. I'm sure they do the same. And uh, I feel like me and Felix have been actually pushing each other like this for, for a couple of years. So uh, I think it's really healthy for us and uh, for, yeah, for the sport. Since bursting on the scene last season, this is your kind of first full season. Do you feel you'll learn a lot more this season than the kind of sudden highs last year? You learn a lot more in the lows? As well. Of course, of course. I mean, uh, it's it's a long season. It's my first one, uh, you know, first full year on tour. So uh, for me, it's really exciting. I remember last year, it was 
a little bit nervous. I didn't feel like I fit in at the end of the year. So, and I got pretty homesick, so that was tough for me. This year, I feel ready for the challenge. I feel like I belong with all these players, so I'm really comfortable with these tournaments. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, to play them and uh, you know do what I dreamed of doing, playing, playing the tour. That's Denis Shapovalov speaking to me a little bit earlier. I want to wrap up a few of the other favorites in the draw, talk a little bit of doubles, and then say farewell to each of you. Um, we mentioned Sasha Zverev, Del Potro, Dominic Team, John Isner, David Goffin, but really the big first round that a lot of people are looking for is Novak Djokovic against Kei Nishikori. Nishikori, of course, making the final. Really his comeback from injury of sorts, having missed the Australian Open and a lot of last year, the second half of last year, uh, what are you looking forward to in that match for Djokovic and Nishikori? And then does it feel like perhaps one of those two guys could be propelled by winning that match and then make a bit of a run? Yeah, first of all, it's so weird not to see <laughs> yeah, yes. this match up so Very early weird. in a, in a March 2000. But um, I can say that the winner of that match maybe is proving more to himself and getting more confident to the following uh, uh, days of the tournament. I see Novak Djokovic in a mental crisis, a big one. I never uh, saw Djokovic in, in this way. And maybe Nishikori is coming back stronger than, than Djokovic. Djokovic right now needs victories, needs yeah. wins, yep. needs wins. It's his gasoline, you know. He needs it. And uh, I will say that the one who wins that game is getting more confidence and proving himself that, okay, I'm winning, I'm beating Nishikori or I'm beating Djokovic. Now I'm prepared to do big things here in Madrid. Yeah, well, it felt like Nishikori had that run for himself. I think he'll try to build off of Monte Carlo, but Djokovic just 5-5 five and five in 2018. Eduardo, you make a great point of he, yeah, that he needs those wins, but Reem, it's not easy to win against a Grand Slam finalist like Kenny Shikori and a player that's been top five in the world. I actually feel that this Novak draw, because his entire section is loaded, it's not just the first match. I feel like it's a blessing in disguise for him. That's how I see it, because I feel that if he does get through that first match, that's going to, like Edu said, it's going to give him a lot of confidence. But also the back-to-back having to face someone tough and someone tougher and someone tougher, it's a really difficult draw. Like he's in the same quarter as uh, Grigor Dimitrov and David Goffin. Uh, he he could face uh, Daniel Medvedev or uh, Kyle Edmund in the second round. There's also Chung there in his path, and Chung took him out in, uh, in Australia. So I feel that the way... First of all, I admire the way he's trying to fight. I admire the way, like, he lost to Monte Carlo, immediately took a wild card into Barcelona, went there, didn't do well, doesn't matter, he's still at it. Uh, he's He also brought his uh, former coach back, Marianne Vaida. We don't know if it's long-term or not, but he is with him here this week, and he also is working again with Gebhard Gritsch, who uh, was his fitness trainer before as well. So I kind of feel like he's got the band back together The band again. is back together, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's trying. I mean, I, that's what you want in these kind of players. He's trying, he's fighting, and I definitely feel if he starts to get a couple of wins against these type of players who are very tricky, even someone like Kyle Edmund, he was a finalist on clay just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So none of these matches are going to be easy. Um, and I feel that, who knows, he's won here twice before. So you don't necessarily, yes, while we've seen him, like you said, there is a crisis of confidence somehow. But you also think that 
any, at any moment, he can kick into gear because he has experienced so much success on all these courts. So it, you don't forget how to play tennis. It's a s- few small things yeah. and it can click. Yeah. And I definitely think that that match with Nishikori, both of them are kind of trying to find their way back. Yes, Nishikori had that final in Monte Carlo, but he's also lacking match play and he's also lacking confidence. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting chess match, I'd say. Yeah, well, um, things are kicking off here. Lunch is getting started. We actually have a game of ping pong happening nearby. Um, before we go, let's talk about doubles just for a minute. The Bryan brothers, they just turned 40, which is insane. But just in a general sense about the Bryan brothers, Brothers and the fact that they've now won in Miami and Monte Carlo and that they're finalists in Indian Wells as well. I mean, insane that they continue to, I think they're up to 116 titles and what they've been able to do in the doubles game. I think it's amazing because I think the Bryan brothers are like global phenomenon. Like I can talk to my mother and who's Egyptian and she can tell me I know the Bryan brothers. That's what I think is amazing because they've spanned so many different eras in tennis. Yeah, yeah, and they've literally winning on every surface and every single title you can think of. Small tournaments, big tournaments, everything. So that for me is amazing because I know how big they are in the States, but I just think that globally as well, they've really made an impact. Well, they're the number two seeds here bef- behind defending champions Lukas Kubat and Marcelo Mello. We've also got a few Spanish teams in the draw. Um, Mark Lopez partnering up with Feliciano Lopez. They've had great success on the double circuit as well as uh, David Marrero playing with Fernando Verdasco. Exactly. I will say the, the Lopez uh we call him sometimes the Lopez brothers. They are not brothers, yeah. but they kind <laughs> of look like when they play brothers. together. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they have a big experience of playing Davis Cup uh, together. And Mark Lopez, I would say, maybe is our best player for the doubles. I also want to see Florian Mayer, who's retiring at the end of the season. And, of course, the Bryan brothers, like uh, Michael X said, if you ask somebody here, I mean, double tennis here in Spain, they don't usually follow but if you ask about Brian Brothers, of course we know Brian Brothers. I love I, I love hearing that as an American. Egypt, Spain, anywhere, they know the Brian Brothers. Lastly, usually our last task on the podcast is to ask for your tip of the week, put you in the hot seat. But it feels like a pretty chilly hot seat because I believe you're both going to say one man's name. Who's going to win? It's Rafa, <laughs> man. It's Rafa time. <laughs> And Reem, yes? Yeah, I'll have to agree. We're very boring with our predictions. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, my many thanks to Reem Abelel and Eduardo Salon for joining us here on our preview of the week to come in Madrid. Remember, you can join us all week long for live ball-by-ball commentary every day of the Mutua Madrid Masters. Gigi Salmon and the rest of the commentary team will be guiding you through the action daily, and I'll be on the ground to bring you exclusive interviews with players, coaches, support staff, tournament staff, and much more. Enjoy the tennis.